Welcome to the Pharos Fit Podcast, where we help you to explore your capacity to move better, push further, and achieve your limitless potential through fitness, nutrition, recovery, and lifestyle. Hey guys, welcome back to the Pharos Fit Podcast. Hope you're all well out there. Um, good to be back with you. I'm here today with Emily Cavell, aka the ruler of repair, aka the best of the rest, uh, aka and my personal favorite, the mistress of mechanics. Also your wife. Also my wife. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Hi. Now that we've got that sorted out. Um, Those are great names. How long right? did, did you, did you I, just come I up just with them right them like now? Three minutes ago. You yeah. really are brilliant, Peter. Thanks, you thanks. got away with words. Yeah. Uh, so we wanted to talk to you t- uh, today, guys, um, uh, about repair, about recovery from injury. Uh, we want to talk about a specific thing that happened to Emily. Um, as you guys know, we do. We, we're trying to really push the, the importance of, of mechanics and repair at the club. Uh, we just started this new uh, build repair thing on a Thursday to try and encourage people to do more of it. Um, we do have a membership that likes to train very frequently, um, seven yeah, days seven a week days or six a week. days a week. Two furs. Um, and so, obviously, the more you take out of the bank, you more, the more you have to pay back in. And we're trying to get people to pay back more in than they're, they're used to doing. Um, it's hard. Like, we don't all like doing it. It's the one thing we will kind of, like, avoid because it's not as fun as the hard stuff. Sure. But it, it's it's something that's that's crucial for us. Um, but first of all, I want to kind of go back in time. Um, Emily's going to talk about something that happened to her. Um, she's talked about it on a podcast before. Um, it's now been how many years? It's been three years. It's been three years. Three years since it happened. With a recent flare-up, which is why it's making it relevant now. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, and obviously had a kid in that time frame. And, and so had forth. a baby within so, that time frame. There's a lot that goes into this. So obviously um, the, the injury that, that we're talking about is, is rhabdo, right? Rhabdomyolysis. Right. Rhabdomyolysis, uh, which Emily got three years ago. We'll talk about how it happened. We'll talk about why we think it happened. And then we want to talk about the kind of like the recovery process and what that's looked like. Emily gets hit up all the time on DMs about this. Um, this isn't like a super rare thing anymore. This happens fairly frequently in the fitness industry. Unfortunately. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, they talk about it a lot in CrossFit, but any any sport that has uh, like a high volume demand or a high kind of like... Eccentric load, eccentric loading eccentric demand, load demand. Yeah, yeah. Um, it, can, it can affect people who are in those kinds of sports. So, so we'll talk a bit about that. But Emily, first of all, let's go back in time. Let's talk about what happened and then let's go into why we think it happened. Okay, so... Uh, three years ago, uh, we were, I, I remember I've been following this program, um, a gymnastics strength program because I really wanted to fine tune my strict muscle ups and all of that, like, you know, fancy work. So I was doing handstand work, straight arm work, bent arm work, working a lot on the rings and the pirouettes and like, you know, all, all of that stuff. And we... I had finished up a three-month cycle and then I wanted to have like a deload situation Mm. and just have fun because I wasn't doing anything during that time, just gymnastics. I was just, uh, I wasn't doing any cardio. I wasn't doing any strength training. I mean, I had front squats in it, but it was all mechanics-based. It was not, you know, nothing load, nothing heavy, nothing eccentric, nothing explosive. Um, So in the deload week, I decided to do a really fun workout with you and Jeff and uh, we got into it. It involved 100 GHD sit-ups 
And I remember being in that workout feeling alive. I felt so good. It was the best that I had. Like I hadn't trained like that in so long. It was so fun to feel that like energy and the group camaraderie of us all getting together and just like, you know, having fun. There was no moment during that workout that I was like, I'm going too far or any athlete, you know, any voice that was like, you know, watch yourself or blah, 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 where a lot of times that does happen, right? Like, yeah. You know, you persist even though you feel a little good, you know, you feel a little glitch in the warm up and then you're like, eh, you try to brush it off and it's like your body's trying to tell you something and you aren't listening and then it reacts. This was the complete opposite. I had never felt more alive. Right. Uh, and uh, then about, I mean, the next day I felt awful, but I thought it was in the good way. And just then, the, sore yeah, just and, yeah. like, oh, but like extremely sore, yeah. like definitely like the most amount of soreness I had ever felt. But again, like, you know, felt like a reward at that time. Um, and then another day goes by and I'm feeling like sick. But didn't you work out again afterwards? Oh, I worked out the next day. I worked out. I think I worked out the day after I worked out the, the next day and the day after. And then it wasn't until I was at this brunch with friends and we all ordered mimosas and I like hadn't drank before, you know, like up until that point. And I like went to go take a sip of it and I it like smelled horrible. I was totally unattracted to like the the smell of it. And I had like tasted it and then my stomach started like convulsing and it was like quaking. It was so weird. Um, I definitely knew something was funky, but. But the, uh, the thing with Rabdo is they always say like, oh, but is your pee Coca-Cola colored? And I didn't have that experience. So I right. didn't, you know, I'm like, oh, no, I'm just really sore, really sore. Just kept getting, kept getting worse, kept getting worse. You know, I'm curled up into a ball. I'm like losing function. I feel like my, uh, like I, my organs were just going to fail. It just felt at, like I felt like I was dying. So rush me to the emergency room. I go right in and I say, I have rhabdomyolysis. I need you to test for CK levels and I need to get fluids immediately. And I like, I need this happen to happen fast. Um, and they were like, you don't have rhabdo, blah, blah, blah. And I, and I was like, I am happy to any other options, but I would appreciate if you just started getting jumping on that because I know that this is a common thing in my industry and blah, blah, blah. So, um, of course, it gets back and I have it. CK levels are like 15,000 and yeah. normal CK levels are like between zero and 200. So it's yeah. like crazy high. Um, fast forward to seven days in the hospital, being hooked up on fluids, being like, you know, drugged up on on morphine and whatever else they'd give me, um, feeling horrible and uh, really having that like moment of like embarrassment. Well, let's talk about that in a minute. But <laughs> yeah, but essentially like all they can do is basically rehydrate you, rehydrate you and give you mm. painkillers, right? It's not yeah, like... Yeah, that's the most, that was the most incredible thing. Like people can die from rhabdo, like your kidneys. So for those who do not know it, I have the uh, layman's term version of what rhabdo is. It's basically when you work out so hard that your muscles explode and your muscle tissue explodes out into your bloodstream and it causes your kidneys go into haywire and, you know, can't right. flush things out your kidneys going to failure renal failure and then you know uh you're dealing with that shit for the rest of your life you know right. or worst case scenario is it you know it takes you out and that happens right. sometimes um 
But the only thing that separated me from like life and death in that moment was hydration, which is one of the biggest tools that I uh, left with was like really the power of hydration. And we say that to athletes all the time. And, you know, as a soft tissue therapist, I say it to every client, like make sure you drink a lot of water more than you think you should because you're definitely, you know, your tissue's getting all banged up. And like you say all of those things, but until you experience it and you, uh, you know, know the difference between being dehydrated and dying and you know right. hydrating yourself and being back to where you are it's incredible i mean what's really interesting about this guys um if i were to say like 100 ghd sit-ups to someone in the street that makes sense a lot but for someone like emily like five sets of 20 ghd sit-ups historically for her isn't a, a ridiculous number it's not it's not a crazy workout no. um th this happens a lot when you know, you have athletes that used to do something a lot. They take a period of time where they don't do it. And then they come back into it with the same intensity and the same volume they used to do it at, but their body just isn't ready for it anymore. Um, and it's too much of a, a shock to the system. Yeah, we call uh, it athlete brain in yeah. other circuits where like there's that ego athlete brain that says I can do this because you have, you know, experiential data of you, yourself in the past. Yeah. And so you're like, go, go, go. There's also that thing that like push through pain, push through blah, blah, right, blah, all, right. all of that. Well, and, and this is very topical because we, we do have the, the, you know, the Murph workout coming up that we're going to do. And, you know, we've been hopefully cleverly um, kind of progressing towards this by increasing the volume of our pull-ups, push-ups, and air squats, right? Right. Um, if you were to go straight into that workout, having not done any pull-ups or push-ups for a year, you're going to be in trouble. Or having right? not worked out in a yeah. year, having just come back. I mean, it's not back. something yeah. you should just like jump off the bat. This has to be something you've worked up to and periodized towards. Um, and it's super important that you do that. Um, and there is something about eccentric load, loading and, and rhabdo, right? And it's it's something to do with the 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 protein damage that happens when you eccentrically load. Yes. That seems to magnify the the dangers of yeah. Of, of so things and, and especially like like GHG setups, like eccentric pull-ups. You know anything? That yeah, has that. a jumping pull-up is a really great example because you'll like quickly jump yourself up and right, then you'll and then load you'll just, eccentrically yeah. on the way down. And if that's not something that like you progressively train, which we do and build all the time, right? right? It's time under tension. It's different varying. You know, is it two second, three second, four second? Do you pause at the bottom? Do you drive out of the bottom? Like we practice and train that. But if you don't, um, and you jump right into something that is both explosive and eccentric then uh it, then you can you know run into some trouble there yeah, yeah. and because it happens so fast because you don't notice especially with jumping pull-ups it's like you get to use momentum you get to use other things that you can pattern something a hundred yeah. times yeah. and not necessarily feel right. the, that it's doing well, as much damage as it actually like you said you, you were doing this workout you're having a great time you didn't yeah. really feel anything like no. during the workout and it was only three days later that this like really kicked in yeah um so it's not like oh my god i'm in the worst i'm in the hardest workout of my life i think i'm gonna die this is so hard it's not even that it's no. just like doing something to your body that it just yeah, you're like, woo, 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 yeah. woo, great, awesome, moving along.
wrong. Oh man, this workout sucks. I feel great. You know, yeah. it's, it's totally how that happens. And it's like, you know, first you feel like dying, then you feel reborn. Yeah. And it's happened to a lot of athletes. Like I've, I've seen a lot of people over the past few years that they just admit like, yeah, it happened to me. I right. was doing this and it happened. Yeah. And it's like, I was going to, I was going to say it's embarrassing, but then at the same time, it's also like, man, if this kind of stuff happens to me and I made it my entire life to be in this industry and to help people heal right. from injury, then it's hard. It's hard for people, you know? Like, it means that, yes, it does need to be hammered in because even the best of the best and the people who, you know, pre who preach it all and know the, know the science and stand by and, like, you know, have an entire community of people that they serve, like, it's I, even I'm still going to uh, falter. Yeah. And so that is why it's like I'm so happy that we're doing these Thursday recovery days because you can tell people – the balance, you know, the get you can get people down for a little game plan session, be like, all right, you want to balance out this much strength and this much conditioning and this much mechanics and repair. Um, but a lot of times they're just going to do what they like, do what triggers that right. excitement of showing up and that like, you know, the high that they get on doing some sort of like sprint workout or, you know, strength training. And like they get excited because like maybe we're coming back from a hiatus. And so you just want to go hard in the paint, you know. So it's nice that we're like, fine, you're not going to go to those classes. We're going to bring those classes to you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, so sad. Rookie move right there. Rookie move. But also, um, you know, like we, were, like we were saying before, a lot of the time it, it, it is ego. So even someone like as experienced as you, like you said, you've dedicated your whole life to, to being this repair guru and, and you fell subject to this, this rapid <laughs> right. disease. Right, um, So, you know, it's not, it's not even a knowledge thing at a certain point because you know good and well what you should be doing and what you shouldn't be doing right but sometimes we just find ourselves in those situations where the ego takes over and you want to have fun and you want to compete and you want to be um doing yeah. what everyone else is doing and you end up you know putting yourself in danger and um, it's i think it's important to note that like i did feel good i had a good night's sleep i felt right. blah 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 it was all of that but it really was the sum of you know long-term dehydration over right. time mm. right of a lot of stress over time and then me doing this one program that was a super linear program that just focused on gymnastics yeah. for three months so 12 weeks which normally we work in three-week cycles so we change every three weeks that would mean four different stimuli right stimuli yeah good yeah. <laughs> that would mean four different stimuli that I'm like you know progressing through and I did the, essentially the same thing for three months so I trained my body in a very specific way for three months and then my brain was like oh I could just jump right into this other thing and think that like oh I, I'm training but I'm not training in that way mm. um so I should have knocked down the volume I should have done half as many rounds I should have you know all, all of the I should have held at the top you know I should have right. gone to half instead of all the way like there are all those things that like now in retrospect I understand what progressive overload means because that's the it that's the perfect example of what it isn't you know yeah. I did one form of training for an entire block I got my muscle up I felt really good about that you know three months of training and I definitely got my strict muscle up but then it also kind of you know it deconditioned the rest of my body right. um that then and put me at that risk so you know the now walking away from that 
nothing's more important than the balance of these systems yeah. and practicing and again, what we preach in strength, conditioning, right. and mechanics. And again, that's another good ar- argument for like non- non-linear progression, right? Yeah. Because if you have linear progression, there's a lot of stimuluses that don't get work for a while or are going to fall to the wayside. Right. Whereas if you're non-linear, if you are mixing up the modalities throughout the week, um, then you're less likely to be subject to something like this. Right. Because you're always working on all of your different... Right. And you have a better, systems. and you, and that's not even just physical, it's also mental, right? Like mm. you do a varying, you know, I'm like on this high, I got this strict muscle up, I'm stronger than I've ever been, you know, I haven't even done cardio, I've done, done strength training, and look at me, I've been doing all of this stuff. So it like trained that in me as well. Right. So mindset wise, when you balance things out, sure, you can have some coffee. <laughs> um, when you balance things out, you're also helping to train your mindset about like where you actually, like where you your limits actually are and like what you're actually capable of right you train things that you're not necessarily good at things that you're afraid of on a page that you look down at the workout and you're like oh my god I don't want to do that that's I can't do that that's not something for me and then you like lean into it and it changes your mindset to be like cool I met myself where I am I got excellent coaching I was able to do the workout that I needed and I challenged my mindset too and like I can both honor my limits but then work to defy them through a very varied uh varied program otherwise you just talk yourself into these horrible brain patterns of like you know oh I don't do that I don't do that and it's like that's not helpful because I'm like I only do strict muscle ups that's all I do now I only do handstands and strict muscle ups and you know everything else is just but it's like now my life is so much more fun because it's like I can do a little bit of everything and I can hopefully knock on wood, knock on plastic uh, tables, um, that hopefully now I can have a better idea of where those limits are and how to scale myself for any environment. Yeah. Let's talk about the recovery process. Let's talk about, you know, what happened right after. Like, how long did you have to, how long were you laid up for? How long did it take you to get back to any kind of training? And then obviously you had the baby um, a, 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 a year, year later. A year later. Yeah. So I remember, so this was all May, because I remember being in the hospital for Cinco de Mayo. Um, And so this happens in May. I'm in the hospital for eight days. Margaritas in the hospital? No margaritas in the hospital, unfortunately. Mm. Yeah. Uh, Alcohol and kidneys, like, nah, it's all good. So a week in the hospital, and then I don't think I did any my dad came down he stayed with us if you remember that yeah he stayed with us and he like honestly walking up the street was difficult I could not lift myself up from a lying down position like I could not lie down and and curl my sit myself up I could not do a sit up you you recovered quicker from having a baby than you did from I a thousand percent recovered better from having a A (laughs) c-section than than having rhabdo yeah um so my dad came out Um, I don't think I worked out for eight weeks and, uh, I would just slowly walk up, like, you know, get up to the, we lived like kind of on a slant hill and I would like walk up that. And I remember like feeling that, um, and then I couldn't eat any protein. That was an interesting thing. Mm. Uh, I, I just could not like, I couldn't stomach it. I had no taste for it and I couldn't digest it. I would feel like stomach issues right immediately after eating it. Well, it's hard for harder for your body to break down, right? Really hard. Um, which is both a good thing. That's right? why you say it's <laughs> that's, good. that's why it's good. Yeah. But then you know, so I remember uh, my dad came down and brought me lots of soups. Yeah, lots of lots of liquids, lots of bone marrow type things, all that stuff. And then 
um, you know, carby type things. All I wanted was carbs. Right. Uh, and that lasted for about eight weeks. And then I kind of approached it from this place of, again, because I'm a professional and because I was super embarrassed by this entire experience, I was like, well, if it's going to happen, I'm going to use it as an opportunity to learn mm. and to like be a better resource and to, well, yeah, that's you how know. you have to, yeah. Well, yeah, because you read it on a textbook and you know what rhabdo is and you can tell people what it feels like and how to recover from right. it. But, you know, going through it, obviously, yeah, there's nothing like experience. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I started off with all isometric stuff, all isolated things. Uh, I started with all supine stuff. So I didn't do any like planking or stretch. Right. Like I didn't stretch my I didn't stretch a cobra. I wouldn't I can't even remember the timeline. Right. I think I have a few blog posts that I'm going to try to find before we've published this because I know I did like a a confessions uh, of Rabdo part one and two yeah. uh, that I'll try to link to. Um, but yeah, it was, it was a while before any of that happened. Um, and then I slowly started introducing light aerobic capacity work. The first place I went is onto a bike. So I basically mm. was probably a whole month of just sitting on the spin bikes, being super grateful that we had a hybrid facility that offered <laughs> all these different types of programs and ways to, to move. Um, and that helped to build confidence, aerobic capacity. It helped for me to also really test things out because it's, you know, I'm seated, but there's some hip flexor work. How does that feel after everyone? And it really was a, a test. It was like I would keep little journals both in my brain and on paper because I'm a journaler um, about like how I felt, what I did that day, how I'm going to like maybe take it to the next level in the next week um, and just tried to build myself a progressive overload. I remember squatting. I started boxing squatting I shortened every range so I just focused on patterning for I did isolate uh, like isometric and isolated work then I focused on patterning and if you go way back in time to one of the first podcasts we did where we talk about the repair protocol of position, activation, range of motion, adhesion, I tried to follow that same pattern. So it's like, okay, what are the positions? Well, the first one was to just sit myself up from a lying down position. Right. That was like, you know, and then you get into your more like your squat and your hinge and your overhead. Overhead took me a really long yeah. time to get to any of that kind of like stretchy type stuff. Um, so I took it just one step at a time. Can I get in the right position? If not, where's my position? What do I feel when I'm in this position? What can I slowly start to stabilize and isolate and activate? What's the range of motion that I can control? So not how much can I get, but how much can I um, like, you know, stabilize? And then the adhesions. And that was interesting for me because a lot of times I'm like, I'm a doer. So I'm like, you got a problem? I'm going to solve it, you know, <laughs> and it's hard when you're in your own recovery and when your muscle tissues like right. exploded mm. and all I want to do is like, uh, you know, it's like soft tissue is not going to get you out of this. Like yeah. stretching is not going to get you out of this. It's going right. to take this like right balance of yeah. doing less and feeling more, you know, right. Right. rebuild. Just go and tell him. Yeah, go ahead. Well, Um, so, you know, this was like immediately after the, 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 the episode happened. And then, like we said before, a year, a year into it, you basically fell pregnant. A year oh yeah. Into right. Recovery. Timeline so, back to the, thanks for keeping me on track. You're yeah. a very good host. Did it, that happened did in it, May. I get pregnant in February. So right. May, I got through that. 
um, I remember my New Year's resolution was like to get back from Rabdo and like to be as fit as humanly possible. Mm. I also remember that it was to have more sex. And then I got pregnant right after that. And I was like, great. So my body's going to go to shit. And here we are. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I guess, you know, you manifest something into the universe and right. they, it listens. Mm. That's the that's the lesson there. And do you feel that the, the, the rhabdo thing, did it affect your pregnancy directly in any way? Did you have to like do things differently? I remember being really worried about it. But I don't remember it being that thing. big of an issue. Yeah. And. Because I guess like at that point, you, you were like, obviously when you're pregnant, you were obviously super aware of hydration and, you know, nutrition and stuff like that because you're. you're I had never more. treated myself better right. than when I was bearing another human. Yeah. yeah. Like I, you know, it's it's just such a testament to like people will do so much in service to, to others, but then like neglect all of those things for themselves right. you know uh but yeah i took such good like care of myself vitamins and, and oh yeah prenatal every day, day. and yeah. then it's like you're in this like you know regimen and you're doing all the best things for yourself um yeah so i remember that being fine but i remember worrying about uh abdominal separation right. and diastasis and all of that so during that time is when i got pregnancy and postpartum athleticism uh certified so yes. during pregnancy i was really deep into that because it was a concern of mine and because i had this like weird strange kind of outlying thing I was like, ah, oh, I wonder how that will affect pregnancy. I wonder how diastasis and uh, ab my ab entire abdominal wall shredding uh, is going to affect my postpartum uh, journey, how that's going to affect my pelvic floor, if I'm going to have any weird things. So I leaned really heavily into like learning and knowledge and trying to set myself up for that, knowing that I was a little scared about how the postpartum journey was going to look, especially since I knew early on that we were going to have a C-section. Um, right. Because I was, for those that care, I was placenta previa. Not that I even need to justify it. It's so funny. You feel like in the moment, you're like, oh, I wonder why that happened. Uh, but I was placenta previa for pretty much the entirety of it. Every ultrasound mm -hmm. was like, you know, a, a thing. And it wasn't until the very last ultrasound yeah. that we had that we said that he moved. We had already scheduled the ultrasound uh, or the C-section at that point. It was already kind of like in my head, I had made it up that like this was the time and this was the, you know, so we had made uh, that choice. But then I was extra worried about like, OK, it's going to be really difficult when like it's literally sliced open. So it's like right. it's, you know, torn apart from the inside and then it's sliced open via C-section. Yeah. Um, I was definitely very worried about the postpartum journey. Right. Um, but yeah. it was it worked out. How was the postpartum journey in the end? Like in short, I was very surprised. I think that I did. I think I, in my defense, I did a lot of prep, like prep work. Right. But at the same time, there's a, you can do all the prep work in the world and it like it, it's going to bear no mind on how your recovery is because everyone is so different. Everyone's and different. I have heard so many stories of women who did all the right things and then ended up with tearing and ended up with, you know, right. uh, uh, like, you know, pop and having all of these types of like issues postpartum um, that I try not to like be like, oh, it's because I did this perfect blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like it's how it's ended up being how it happened. Right. And I do think that the knowledge and the um, all the attention that I put on that paid like paid off because yeah. just yeah, bringing I mean, awareness you, to something right. made uh, you know made the recovery easier. Well, I remember you coming home and walking up the stairs 
Like that was their big issue. Yeah, they're so, like you're never going to be able to walk up the stairs. And since, you, you came straight home, walked up the stairs, and you seemed to be, you know, you were moving around pretty. Right. Not easily, but like right. you were moving around. Yeah, that we have 75 steps to get up to our house, and so when we were in the hospital, I really wanted to go home because I just didn't want to be in the hospital yeah. anymore. And they were like a little worried because when I go home, I'm going to have to go up the stairs, and they were like, I don't know. And I was like, I don't care. It's worth it. They'll carry me up the stairs and like you yeah. know have a chair and carry me up the stairs if they need like to. A throne. Uh, <laughs> so I was hell bent on getting home, which I think was uh, probably why, and some pretty good postpartum drugs that uh, yeah, that sure. kind of fake you into that confidence uh, that confidence yeah. but again uh, that progressive overlo- overload mindset of being like okay now I got two things on me I'm recovering from rhabdo in addition to recovering from pregnancy in addition to being postpartum and now having right. uh, and now just being a parent and how physical all of that those demands are um just still trying to approach it from that place of like okay well what positions can i get into right what type of activation can i do what range of motion feels good what strategies in my breath can i have to make things a little bit easier and then um you know just kind of take it take it from there and i know you've been working on putting this together to help other people you know, in, a, in, a, in a postpartum sense. Yeah, in a perfect world, this- I would love to say that by the time this podcast came out, that it would be ready, but that's not the case. All right. good, but like a, a lot of good things take time. But yeah, I've gotten together with um, a few other moms and ladies and pregnancy and postpartum coaches um, who uh, we are like working on putting together some resources um, and feel excited about all that. Uh, but yeah, I just got, I like leaned heavily into, okay, I know everyone's journey is going to be different. I know that there's no kind of one-stop shop. So let me try to like learn about all the different ways and all the different strategies and all the different things that I might need for myself. And then right. that's just going to make me a be- better resource for yeah. my community and, you know. And, and the thing you're people. putting together, is it like a, is it like a step-by-step thing of like, this is what you should do at this phase. This is what you should do at this phase. Is kind it like that, of. Or? Kind of. The idea is definitely uh, pregnancy and postpartum uh, strategies around mindset, fitness, uh, breathing, um, all of those things to help you throughout like, you know, whether a full full pregnancy or whether it's the last trimester that kind of leads you into that first six weeks postpartum. We'll have a readiness test that'll have a series of, you know, I uh, pair things off of the movement screen and anytime someone comes in for an intro, I kind of want to see your readiness level um, and a kind of checklist movement mm-hmm. screening tools to know like, okay, when can I start introducing, uh, you yeah. know, these types of movements? Well, it's, it's, it's interesting because the, the, the bar has changed so much in, in training whilst pregnant and training, you know, postpartum yes. recently that it is a whole new world really. Right. Um, you know, I remember when I was first coming through, it was like, you should do these exercises, you shouldn't do those exercises. But now it seems women are doing pretty much all exercises until the, the, the baby pops, it seems. Right. Is there anything that you see that you're like, oh, like, I wish they wouldn't do that? Okay, or- so this is such a touchy subject because it really is like... Like no woman is the same and no, you know, we try to not say, okay, here's when you're going to stop this and stop that and start this. And like everyone will be different. And the more you can individualize, the better it is. However, that's like, you know, bad for marketing, you know, because you want steps and strategies and that to a a, a program Mm. to follow and all of that. Um, But I do think that the big thing is to start with is like 
mindset and mindset and strategy. And that means if you have the right mindset, meaning I'm not too dogmatic and I'm going to push through whatever and I got that athlete brain in the forefront of my mind and I'm going to train for birth and I'm going to train for, you know, I'm going to train despite all of this and, you know, all of that. Like I think that that can be uh, like that can be too much, but then it can also be, oh, I really need to take it easy. I, am I, I can't lift more than 10 pounds. I can't do this. I'm just going to do stretchy stuff. I'm not going to do anything that, you know, challenges. So there's such a wide range of what people can and can't or should or right. shouldn't do. Mm. So I feel like if you just start off with this idea of like, okay, I want to train for a proper mindset. I want to train to move. I want to have strategies that help me to do that for as long as possible. And when things go awry, like it was one day I was running for a while. And then one day I was like, that was my last run. Like I'm going to stop running. Right. You remember that. I remember, um, you know, doing step ups and those feeling horrible and then like causing more SI stuff. And I remember being fascinated because that used to be a modification I would use all the time Mm. and be like, oh, if you can't do this, then like single leg stability and all of that. And it's like it didn't matter. It felt horrible on my body. So, you know, something that I would totally easily give as a suggestion to somebody didn't work for me so it's hard about that like you know there's a can versus should could I have done a bunch of squat snatches and done muscle ups up and through pregnancy and done handstand push-ups and all and like all of this crazy stuff and tried to run all the way through to the end and um say you know fuck it I'm gonna do it anyway I could have done that um And people definitely choose to do that. And sometimes it pays off really well for them, right? And they have no issues afterwards and it's totally fine. A lot of times we see that sometimes the more, uh, the more you push it with that athlete brain that just like pushes forward on things, sometimes the more of a candidate you are for like tearing, for hypertonic, for pelvic floor issues afterwards, for, you know, peeing while doing double unders later or like postpartum. And that's something that you may laugh about, but like it's something that could have been quote, unquote avoided you want to be careful with that type of language but like something that maybe could have been strategized through pregnancy so it's not as much of an issue right now you know it's so hard it's like everything has a cause and effect and you don't always know what that is so I try to just urge women when they first get into pregnancy to like have some resources at hand have a coach that like helps work with you to figure out where you are and to not just push where you are physically, you know, to, uh, to meet you where you are physically, but also help around the mindset portion of training athletes, you know, mm. cause like training for pregnant, like we say like pregnancy is temporary, but postpartum is forever, you know? Right. So it's like, there's this like nine month period of your life that feels like forever, but you know, it's a temporary period of your life. And if I can think of that as like a very specific training phase, a very, like it just doesn't even necessarily need, need to be a deload phase or anything that may, you know, that's less than, but it's a very specific training for, uh, a very specific outcome, right, uh, right. of birth. So in a lot of times athletes will be like, well, I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing and I'm just going to do it all the way up and through to the end and like train as if I'm training for the CrossFit Games or train as if I'm doing, you know, doing the, the sport. But I think it's nice to, if you do, uh, if when you become pregnant to say like, 
okay, I'm training for this. This is right. the season of yeah. my life that I'm in. So I'm going to be the best athlete that I possibly could be training for this season. Yeah. And so then you'll go in with a different mindset. You'll have mm. a different set of strategies and it won't always be that battle of like, can I versus should I versus right. is that my ego that wants me to do it versus am I capable of this? Is this going to give me issues later to do a care? Let's just do it. You know, like all those things. So let's, let's kind of like come full circle on it. So, you know, you, you go through the, the, the rhabdo thing, you go through the pregnancy thing, you go through postpartum. Okay. At what stage, if ever, do you feel, did you feel like you were back to your old self and that you can work out now like you've always been able to work out? That's a really good question. And if I am being honest with both myself, you and the people at Paris Athletic <laughs> Club, um, it's that I haven't, that I, yeah, it's hard when it's back to back with it's like, so it's, it's, it's rhabdo, you know, yeah. it's baby, and then it's pandemic, and, then it's pandemic. Yeah. and I did not have the best strategies in place during quarantine to like, if we're talking mindset and movement and, you know, uh, I did not have very good strategies there and I am definitely now at that place where I'm like okay let's get back to me right you know right like and it sure. like it really is that it's like like it, it you know I can just put my head down and work I have that like innate ability to just like totally suffer and it serves me and then it also gives me rhabdo right like it's that right. same thing like it, uh, it it is what it's a part of what makes me great and like relentless and like good at what I do but it also has that like dark side of you know uh, overdoing it not not refilling the cup uh, or like you said like you know your body's like a bank account and you can only make so many withdrawals before you need to make a deposit and yeah. I'm just so used to withdrawing 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 and like I need to get back into that balanced place of yeah I mean I, I think it happens a lot in in fitness where like we get into fitness we get super passionate about it we work it all the time we get ourselves in great shape we feel great then we decide to make it a career uh, and then slowly but surely as we focus more on the career of fitness as opposed to like being fit sometimes it can lead to us being less fit as business owners than we were as People who are in love with fitness. Sure. And I always justify that because, you know, one of our interview questions when coaches come in is, do you consider yourself an athlete or do you consider yourself a coach? Right. And it's like slightly a trick question, right? And there's no right or wrong answer, but it is how you answer that that, it, that says a lot about you. And for me, like, I am a coach first. I never got into this because I was an athlete that wanted, you know, to pursue my athleticism and like really do more. And then I like, you know, here's my training program and I can't wait to wake up and train. And oh my God, I just want to see my six pack. And like, I never had any of those types of like performance or aesthetic type goals. It always came from a place of, you know, I had rheumatoid arthritis. It came from uh, rehab. It came from then being able to be capable of things to then approaching fitness from a place of like, oh, maybe I don't need to look at the fitness industry as just a, you know, marketing ploy to hate yourself and get you to this like thin ideal that the only thing that matters is your body fat percentage and blah, blah, blah. Like mm. I can approach it from a place of movement, of rehab, of right. like movement is medicine. And if I can, you know, help pay that forward, then like I've done something good, you know? 
know? Um, so because I never pursued, came at it from that perspective, sometimes it also is my excuse, right? Like right. I will stop a workout at any time if a member needs something. Like if you need me, if you need anything, like I'll stop and get you a towel. I'll get you this. No one's at the front. I'll stop. I got you. You know, like I have that so ingrained into my own brain that it is the it's the excuse it's the story I tell myself that then keeps me from carving out time for myself from making it a non-negotiable for uh, a, you know for doing the things that for myself um yeah just an interesting yeah yeah it is interesting um and it's you know we're all again like you said before we're all we're all different in the way that we we view fitness and the way that we we our relationship with fitness and I've had this conversation many times with people like just because you're not fascinated with like being in the best shape possible or being the fittest person in the gym or always looking great doesn't mean you're not like a great coach or very valuable to the the fitness industry. I think it's a mistake to think and it's almost an insecurity to think that you have to. I have to yes. be the fittest person yes. in the gym if I'm going to coach anybody. Definitely, definitely. Um, because you, you, you know, you think that people are only going to listen to you if you're amazingly. Yeah, that fit. is a lie that coaches tell themselves that, like, oh, I have to be the best athlete that I can be, and by being a better athlete, so, I'll be a better so coach. So members will be impressed by me and think yes. oh, I'm an awesome coach. Yes. You know, I, I say it all the time. But the truth is, people don't care about that. People only care about how much you can help them. And you're great at helping people. Like people will go to you because they know 100% that they that you can help them get out of the situation. Or at least I will in. try. I'm a challenge accepted kind of yeah. person, you know. But but they but they believe you have the knowledge based and the experience to to help them to help them through it. And that is you know a lot more important than like being the fittest person on earth. Right. Now know? that with that being said, I used to drive coaching strategies with a lot of ego. Like I loved, um, I remember early in my coaching career, I loved walking up to a dude's bar and deadlifting, like demoing right. and deadlifting with the dude's bar that they spent 10 minutes warming up on. Like, and I would see the look on people, the members faces. And like when you beautifully demo something and people like clap for you afterwards, like there is that high from a coach that makes you feel sure. like, Ooh, you know, like, well, uh, yeah, I mean, and this, and they, this it's is- that fine line it's um, a fine line it's all within reason because i do believe that coaches should be in shape and i do believe right. they should practice what they they preach and they should train and all that right. kind of stuff i'm not saying that yeah, but picking up a uh that's like all ego all stupid that's right. like all just doing it to you know because you want people to see you as the fittest person in that room and that's why they should listen to you as opposed to because you command the room because you you know manage the group because you're just a great coach right yeah so Looking at the, you know, the spectrum of re- recovery and repair as a whole now, we've talked about obviously the, the injury you had, the, the recovery from that injury. Uh, we've talked about pregnancy, uh, post-pregnancy, how, you, how you've kind of like fought your way back to where you are now. Um, how do you see your journey from this point in terms of how, how much working out are you going to do? How much repair are you going to do? How do you break down your week you know, being this person that you are with everything that you've been through, how do you break down your week now until I'm going to do a certain amount of this and a certain amount of that and I'm going to have balance because I know that I need that balance to keep me mentally and physically where I need to be? Yeah. Um, great question. I 
I'm kind of approaching it from this place of, and I'm inviting others to do this as well because I do a lot of intros here. And so a lot of times people come in with goals of like body fat percentage and stuff like that. And now I'll kind of walk into an interview and an intro and say like, what do you like doing? Like, what do you want to do? What mm. are you curious about? What do you see other people do? And you're like, oh shit, that's cool. I want to be able to do that, you know? So like for me, I definitely am coming at it from this place of like, let's find the things that I I enjoy and fall back in love with fitness again that's going to help me to do the thing that I always say 90% is showing up right, right. Um, and then from there it'll give me physical goals to chase and things that require you know and uh, and try to find goals that are uh, within the realm of mechanic strength and conditioning so with that being said I know I want to get back into uh, like gymnastics based stuff and I know a piece of my um, my training wants to be that like like I love coming into Tuesday and bench pressing, but right now I want my Tuesdays to turn into my pulling days to turn into like my gymnastics training upper body days. So I'm mm. like doing my own. Um, so I'm, I never miss a leg day at Faro Seco Park. Uh, and I don't do my own leg day because like honestly, like don't fuck with perfection. And I, I'm not even saying that because you're in the room. It's like people who come in and I'm like, just come on Monday. Like it, it's like the best leg workout that you will get no matter what Monday it is, no matter where we are in the cycle. Right. It will like, just don't doubt it. Just come, you know, yeah. never miss a Monday at Pharaoh's Echo Park. Um, so I'm finding my strength on Mondays. I'm finding my gymnastics on Tuesdays. I'm expecting myself to be really sore on uh, Wednesdays to do some aerobic capacity work, like right type style work um and then I uh I'm trying to give myself the goal that I'll cut instead of how many repairs and spending hours here I'm trying to say 15 minutes every single day right um and carve out the time because for me it's like I'm just out of a habit right like mm. we did just did the limitless challenge and honestly that was probably the closest 42 days of feeling like I was back on track um and then of course you know we decided to sell our house and be homeless for a month and you know have other other things uh be come into play so for me it's like just find the things I, I like fall in love with fitness again find the mm. things that I enjoy and then try to do the bare minimum that gives me the consistency that I need to do it often enough that moves the needle because right now I'm like oh I'll do a lot on Monday and then I won't work out the rest of the week or something you know something like that right. where it's like I'll do this and then I'll spend an hour afterwards doing accessory and then I'll do and then I'll you know stretch and then I'm like three hours on a Monday and then I'm like whoo that was great you know and then Saturday comes by and I'm like oh my god you know um, so yeah, showing up 90%, find something you like. That's my, that's my, yeah. I always said like the, 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 the most successful program is the one that you're going to really enjoy. Yeah. And the one you're going to keep showing up for. Right. If you're, you know, you're not going to keep doing something you hate. Yeah. It's just not going to happen. Yeah. So, you have to so rope up. climbs, want to be able to do rope oh, climbs. Yeah. We're doing a lot of, right. We're doing research on like outdoor rig situations mm, yeah. and monkey bars and stuff. And I would love to, uh, you know, like I used to be the kind of kid that would like climb any tree and it's right. so fun to see why it be just like that that like yeah. he wants to climb on top of everything and he's very like uh um like he physically explores everything um so i like want to get back to that roots too like i want to yeah, be able to like jet up a tree yeah there's something fun about like climbing ropes flipping tires carrying yes. sandbags yes. All, all that kind of stuff yeah it's, it's a it's a different kind of feeling it's a different kind of like i hate the word but functional training kind of experience um, it feels very outdoorsy. Yes. It feels very classic. Yes. Um, and yeah, I, I can definitely see that. <laughs> 
being in our future. Yeah. In our very near future. I feel like we're planting seeds here. Yeah, yeah, I think so. But there is, there is something about that. It, it, it's, it's a connection. It's a connection to the earth. Yes. You know, in a way. Yeah. That's different from being in the gym. And like innate human nature, right? Like, right. you know, it's we playground get, shit. It's, yeah. Yes, the playground. Like, I want to... Uh, like I want to move as confidently as Wyatt moves. I mean, he stumbles around right. like crazy, right? But he, like, he just isn't afraid of things. He like fi- sees a bar and he and instantly jumps up and tries to climb on it. He sees something to lift and he picks it up and throws it over his shoulder. Like he just yeah. naturally does yeah. all of these things. Um, so yeah, he will be my inspiration. I just need to be as fit as Wyatt is for the rest of his life, and right. that's a good goal. That's a great goal. Uh, okay, guys. So there's a lot in here. Um, if you have, if you have rabdo, or if you've had rabdo, or if you have any questions about it, email us uh, info at first athletic club. Uh, and or you we'll, can find me on Instagram. Or you can find Emily, on Instagram. Emily Covell. Yeah. And Indeed. like I said, I think in the show notes there's a couple confessions if you want to read my read about my embarrassment. Yeah. Way back in the day. Yeah. But it, it can be something that's very scary for people. Um, and they can, you know, be very worried about how they're going to recover from it and how they're going to get back to the gym. Oh, so. it was horrible. I thought I was going to die. And it's yeah. also worth noting very quickly, I still have kidney issues. Like yeah. I, it, you know, I just get, I'm getting over a kidney infection where, again, I thought I was dying. It was the same kind of feeling. It was like, it was also that realization of like, oh, this isn't going to go away. Like I'm the sum right. of all of my parts. All of my past injuries will come and creep up to haunt me one day. And this will too. And it means that I have to continually stay hydrated. Like I need to, ma- ma- I, you know, like right. and not just like, okay, I do it if I have a heavy week. It's like, I'm just, I need well, to make this honestly, a pattern. Honestly, it's that thing where it's like taking care of yourself does not mean just take care of yourself when you're sick. It right. means you have to always take care of yourself so that you don't get sick. <laughs> so true. Yes. And, you know, we often yeah. fall into that that bad yeah. habit. So do as I say, not as I did. Yeah. Mom. Also, uh, obviously guys, if you are pregnant or if you are going to, if you're looking to get pregnant, you're worried about uh, training and how you're going to recover mm-hmm. from pregnancy. Yeah. Obviously, reach out about that. Yeah, or if you have any like injuries or weird things, if you're coming back into the gym right now and you're afraid about jumping right back in because it's not, you know, uh, it's not the kind of training you've been doing, like come and chat. Like building movement confidence and building the right program for you um, is like what fires us up. You know, we don't want to just serve fit people. We yeah. want to serve people in a, wherever they are in their journey. Yeah. And that also then sometimes means the, you know, not so fun parts. Well, I, and I think that's, particularly relevant in the in the post-pandemic situation where people a lot of people didn't move for a year yeah. you know they stayed at home they didn't move they lost strength their their bone density went down a little bit their their ligaments and tendons aren't as quite strong as they were their right. muscles aren't you know as engaged as they were and they we come back like and try and do the same kind of stuff they did before and they're finding that their bodies just it's a lot. It's, Refuse. It, it's, uh, <laughs> they're just yeah. not going to do it. And they, they're going to either, either they're just going to be incredibly sore. Or they're going to get, they're going to get hurt. So, um, reach out, come see us. If you have questions, um, don't be afraid to ask. And trust the recovery Thursdays. Don't just not show up because it's not what you want it to, because it's not deadlift day anymore. Okay. Right. I'm right. telling you. I have plenty of other days in which to fuck you up. <laughs> like, one, one day of not fucking you up will do the world of good. <gasps> Okay, guys, that is it for today. Emily, thank you so much. Thank um, you for I, I think me. this stuff's great for people to hear because it's an honest account of something terrible that you've been through. Um, and we need to have honesty and transparency in these things. Otherwise, you know, we just don't learn and other people can't learn from us. Um, so thank you for opening yourself up. Thank you. Okay, guys, that is it. Uh, we are at 1316 Glendale Boulevard. Uh, come see us. We are now fully open. 
Um, also, we're on Instagram at Pharos Echo Park. Uh, and yeah, we'd love to see you. We'd love you to drop in, uh, check out the facility, uh, and come and see what we're up to. All right, guys, we'll uh, see you next time. Take care. Bye.